minute of the Word Radio broadcast, Ministry of Faith Baptist Church in Ontario, Ohio. I'm Pastor Dave Davenport. Today we're studying in the book of Romans, or in chapter 3. We trust you'll have your Bible open and stay with us for the next several minutes as we go to the Word. They don't get to see his manifest presence anymore. He builds a wall, he puts them out so they don't eat of the tree of life and live forever in sin. What an amazing thing to consider how silly we are when we compare ourselves one with another. Now, the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar as it is written. And he says, then, that you may be justified in your sayings and you might overcome when you are judged. You understand, right, that if you're a Christian, you're going to be criticized, which is being judged. (laughs) So don't let it be about you. Let it be about him. Love on him. Be willing to be frail before them. Okay, they need to know you're frail. You don't know everything. Let it be God's word, God's truth, the thing that lets you think back and say, you know, I got, I get it. I, I see what I need to do here. And you're, you're really fanning your mind for God's word because it's the gospel. It's the faith of God. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar that you may be justified in your sayings, which they weren't, until now, if they make the correction, and that you might overcome when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness commendeth the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? He says, I speak as a man. I speak as a man would. I told you, he's playing the apologist. He's suggesting things, and then he's answering those things. He's saying to them, that some people have even accused us of this. He actually says they've been accused of some things down in verse 8. He says, as some men might suggest. He says, if our unrighteousness commends the righteousness of God, what shall we say? And what he's referring to when he talks about unrighteousness here, of course, is those who believed not. He says, if many of them didn't believe, does that make the power of God's gospel, is the truth of God, the faith of God of none effect? He says, no. He says, in fact, that actually shows that there's really something to it. And yet, at the same time, he has to walk everybody off the ledge because they take it to the extreme, which is what humans tend to do. They say, well, if our sin commends God to others because these people sin, how does that work? Well, it works the same way that the law works. If the law says, thou shalt not, the first thing inside your core is to think, why not? If the sign says, wet paint, do not touch, you want to touch. I mean, even if you really don't want to touch, somewhere down in your being, you say, ah, it's not wet, look, that's dry, that's dry. And you may be that good person who always navigates nicely. But some of us are a little, a little bit more reckless. <laughs> Oops, you don't got a fingerprint. But the thing is, is that's what people do. The words came down on those tablets of stone and they brought up inside of us a whole world of iniquity. Don't covet. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. Don't covet your neighbor's ox. Don't covet your neighbor's house and his goodness. Don't steal. Don't steal. But it's not really stealing. He said, do you say don't steal and you steal? Back in chapter 2. I don't know if you remember the connective. He says, do you hate idolatry and commit sacrilege, which is to steal from the temple. We're the temple. They were stealing from the temple by taking the truth about God's love and blurring it over by becoming a little bit distant from their brothers and sisters when that was the last thing God had in mind. 
And those people who were struggling to stay holding on to the Lord as being brand new believers, well, they were getting something stolen from them as well because their stability was being undone when they were looking at the Jewish people who evidently knew more than they do, but they're sorry. They didn't know what to do with all this grossness in their world. Uh, You want to talk about the grossness in the world of that day, in the Gentile world? You just have to read the book of 1 Corinthians. Those people had idols, they had immorality. He says, such were some of you, talking about effeminate and children abusers and all that, this terrible stuff. And he says, that was some of you, but now you're washed, now you're clean. Such were some of you. And he's saying that to the Corinthians. And that's the way the whole world was back then. They didn't have a moral God. They had a God who was licentious, said, do what you want to do. In fact, the gods of the Greek mythologies that you came up and you read about, those were all real things, okay? They really believed that as a religious reality. So if you read on, he says, you may say, if our unrighteousness commends the righteousness of God, what shall we say is God unrighteous who takes vengeance? The idea of taking vengeance is the idea of pouring out his wrath. We saw that in chapter 1. The word literally uh, has the idea that is translated in Young's literal. It says, and if our unrighteousness, God's righteousness doth establish, that's the way Young's putting it, if our unrighteousness, God's righteousness doth establish, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who is inflicting wrath? So that vengeance thing is not God vengeful, it's just saying he's inflicting wrath. You remember this, right? John chapter 3, he that has the Son has life. He that hath not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. Romans chapter 1 explains how that happens. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all wickedness and ungodliness of worldly men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, and they go from idolatry to immorality and decency and on to insensitivity. This is God's wrath. He's pouring it out on our world even as we speak. What you're seeing out there is our world beginning to turn in on itself. It's beginning to show on the outside what's been going on in the inside. And so he says, if that happens, he says, I speak as a man. He says, what should we do? Should we just go ahead and do evil? He says, God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? That's not what God's doing. He's doing the right thing. He's allowing them to have what they're asking for. He says in verse 7, he says, for if the truth of God hath abounded through my lie, which we were all Jews, he was lying, he was going through the whole Jewish thing, and he wasn't really being true to his conscience. Now, many believe that this refers a little bit more deliberately and specifically to when Stephen was stoned. See, Paul took things very personally. He held the coats. You read 1 Timothy, he says, I was a murderer and a blasphemer. He said, I consented to the abuse and death of others. So his lie was against his own conscience. And so when you see this, he says, If the truth of God hath abounded the more through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I judged as a sinner? Now you say, this is, this is hard. This is hard to get my mind around. And it is. But it wouldn't be for a Jew. Because a Jew would understand that what he's saying doesn't make any sense. We're supposed to be righteous, and we're supposed to be committed, and we're supposed to do the right thing. And because they were like that look on my face right now. <laughs> you know? It sticks. Remember when your mama said, you keep looking like that, it's going to stick. Well, those people had a lot of stickiness to their faces and their dispositions. 
It's easy for us to have, right? It's hard to be nice to people all the time. Sometimes you just want to say something to somebody. And sometimes we have to give ourselves a minute and ask ourselves, why are we here and why are we seeing this? Because God himself is in all the details of your life and mine. You're not there by accident. You are a person who is put on this earth to do some good. You know what God's looking for? He's looking for some availability. You may not have all the words, but if you've got a tract in your pocket, you can say, well, listen, I don't have all the words, but I got this and it'll tell you what I believe in a way that maybe I couldn't and maybe that would be a little less offensive to you. If you read it, I think you'll get a lot out of it. You can say any number of things. Figure out your way. Do something for Jesus. Take someone to heaven with you. He says, listen, people try to turn my words up on my ear. He said, I was... was, once this Pharisee who was persecuting the church, now I'm a preacher. Did I get a better gig, as it were? No. It's not that I got a better gig. Jesus got a hold of me. That's why he would never take money. He said, I don't take money from you people. I'm going to work here by myself over here on the tent. I'm going to go over there. It wasn't because he couldn't. It was because he wouldn't. He didn't want anybody to say, I got a better gig. Think about that. You see, our world is all about convoluting in order to defend itself. And so when he says, if the truth of God hath abounded through my lie of my old life unto his glory, why yet am I judged as a sinner? He says, and not rather, as some slanderously reported and is affirmed that we have said, let us do evil that good may come. People like to get a green light to sin. All in the Old Testament, a couple times in some of the Psalms, uh, David would say, the people come by me and they say, aha, aha. (laughs) Paul was preaching grace. Somebody well said years ago, they said, listen, if you've never been misunderstood about your gospel, then you probably don't have it right. Because the natural inclination of the sin nature is going to be to try to figure out a loophole. And the loophole is you can sin and still be saved But if you're saved, you're not going to sin as a practice, as a matter of course. It's not going to be. You read 1 John, you'll see it. He says, he that believeth in God shall not sin. These things have I written unto you that you sin not. And if any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. You and I have this amazing gospel, and we're walking around just filled to the brim with riches from heaven. We have a treasure in earthen vessels, the Bible says, to put it in in biblical narrative. We go out there, and we try to take it to the people. And we can't tell enough about Jesus, you know? He buries our sin in the deepest sea, separates it from us as far as the east is from the west, and He promises that He'll never bring it up against you again. The psalmist says, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute iniquity. You're like, man! That is so good. But the lost man hears, we can sin and still be saved. (laughs) Wait a minute, no. You missed the whole point. Jesus is good. He sets you free. He says, go and do some good for Jesus because when we get to heaven one day, you're going to be glad you did because your loved ones are going to get saved. Your friends are going to get saved. Somebody's going to get saved somewhere in there. Most importantly, your family members. That's what you want. That's what you want. I don't want any of them to perish. If you had one second to look into hell, you would be really brought up short and say, that's it. Do you realize the Bible says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men? We're not afraid of the Lord in the sense of He's going to get us. 
We're afraid for them, for the lost. We know the terror. We've read the book. It's forever and ever and ever. This punishment. The Bible says they're going to be cast into a lake of fire, that their smoke of their torment is going to ascend up, up forever and ever, and they're going to have no rest day or night. Forever. It's Revelation 14. Read it for yourself. That's just one passage. So we try to live for Jesus, not become superior, try to figure out how to get under. That was the Jewish thing. Do you realize this is contemporary to us now? Because now we're the ones who have this wonderful environment in which we live. We've been bequeathed a perfect church situation. Boy, we have our service times and we get to go home and we do our thing and we can, oh, we got God in His box and that's good for me because all I need is a God in a box so I can just go to church and feel better. That's almost Gnostic, folks. That's almost saying, you know, I can do whatever I want all week long and then go to church, worship God, and feel good about myself. Wait a minute, what, what, what is your faith about? Do you believe that there's a heaven? Do you believe that there's a hell? Do you believe that sin has consequences? Do you believe that people are going to perish if they don't come to Jesus? Yes, they will. And the word perish does not mean they're annihilated. They're going to be turned into what the Bible calls everlasting destruction. This is big. He's trying to get them to see that they have got to get down off the high horse and begin to realize, I need to go out there and serve. I need to serve these new believers that are coming in from the Gentile community, and I need to be in Rome with a purpose. The Bible says at the end of verse 8, he says, and now rather, and some slanderously report of us in the firm that we've said, let us do evil that good may come, he says, that their damnation is just. Now, that doesn't sound very Christian. But it is Christian. Do you know why it's Christian? It's Christian because he sees with spirit eyes. He knows that what these people are doing is they're trying to stop the kingdom from progressing. These are enemies of the cross. Remember Alexander? He says, I turned Alexander the coppersmith over to God because maybe he'd destroy him. He says, because he's done us much injury. There are some people who are set in their jaw to stop the gospel from going on. And they're getting to be more and more plentiful in our world. Well, that concludes today's portion of the message. This has been a ministry of Faith Baptist Church in Ontario, Ohio. And I'm Pastor Dave Davenport. I hope you'll join us Monday through Friday for our verse-by-verse studies. And we hope you'll tell others to tune in as well. If you'd like to contact us and learn more about our ministry, go to faithbaptistone.net. You can also download recent broadcasts on our homepage. We hope you'll make it a point to tune in daily as we go to the Word.